everyone. Welcome to the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Sorensen, mother, grandmother, former teacher, and currently supporting parents who want to understand their children's behavior at a deeper level. This is where we talk about changing our perception and limiting beliefs around behavior to a more conscious approach to understanding ourselves, each other, and our most vulnerable population, our children. I share my self-discovery journey and what I've learned along the way and what I'm currently discovering as I continue evolving on this journey. My hope is that as we become more conscious of how we show up for ourselves, our children, and others, that we'll discover the beauty that lies within us all. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Today, I wanted to dedicate this episode to emotional safety. Emotional safety is something I talk to my clients a lot about or with my clients about, and it's a pattern that comes up over and over and over again is the lack of emotional safety that so many of us feel, and we can't provide emotional safety when we don't feel emotionally safe ourselves. So emotional safety, I believe, is the key to transforming relationships and it's the key to permanent behavior change. So what is emotional safety? Emotional safety is that feeling of just feeling safe within a relationship. It's trust um, that I am going to be accepted as I am. And I think it's the really the absence of the worry um, that I'm going to be in trouble or worrying about doing things right. So I know for me growing up, and even as an adult, I am, I was a worrier and, um, I still, you know, work on, work on that. But as a child, I was always worried about being in trouble or not doing it right. Um, or what other people think. And as an adult, I was still worried about, um, and still do often worry about what other people are going to think. And, Well, really, emotional safety is the absence of judgment because that's the fear. It's the fear I'm going to be judged and I'm going to be wrong or undeserving or bad or a loser or less than. And so emotional safety really is the feeling of I can be who I am and still be accepted and feel a sense that I belong rather than who do I have to be to fit in here. So without emotional safety, we're left with the anxiousness of who do I have to be? How do I have to be? I have to sound perfect, act perfect, look perfect. And it is the um, breeding ground for perfectionism. Perfectionism is the pinnacle of not feeling emotionally safe. 
uh, people-pleasing, approval-seeking. These are all coping skills that we adapt because we don't feel emotionally safe. We adapt these coping skills to bring some control and safety um, to our lives. And so that's why also we are so addicted to control uh, to feel safe. And the problem with control is that it creates more, more fear, more, well, it creates less emotional safety. I'll put it that way. Because we're trying to control things outside of ourselves, which in reality are not within our power to control. So we often try to control our children or a partner or, you know, whoever it is. And that causes a great deal of stress and a lack of emotional safety. So, of course, then the next question I always get is, well, how do I create that? How do I create emotional safety? And emotional safety begins with calm. It begins with a calm adult. It begins with creating calm internally, on the inside. Creating calm on the inside creates calm on the outside. So how do we calm this inner chaos? It starts through, calm is created through perception just as inner chaos is created through perceptions. Our thoughts drive our feelings and our feelings drive our actions. So our upset in our internal chaos has nothing to do with our children or other people or situations. They don't make us feel mad or angry or sad or happy for that matter. Our thoughts about them create our upset. So our upset is created through our thoughts about our children, about our partners, about whatever situation we're in. Our fears or our trigger thoughts are created by past perceptions. And these perceptions were formed in early childhood through our relationships with our significant caregivers. And relationships wire our brain. Through relationships, we form uh, perceptions of the world and our place in it. So our brain picks up the patterns and forms mental models of how we should think, feel, and act. Our perception is how we should do it. So traditional disciplines do not take into consideration how children actually think and feel. It doesn't consider their ideas, their feelings, or their perceptions um, that our relationships with them is creating. And we make it all about us. So we use control to get children to do what we want so that we're perceived by others as good parents. Because traditional discipline is rooted in judgment. And we care more, I think, about other perceptions of us over our own. So I think we care, we end up caring more about what others think about us more than we care about ourselves. 
And this causes a big problem in our relationships because it says, you need to be who I need you to be so I'm okay. So I don't feel judged as wrong or bad or inadequate. I think that is our biggest fear. And I think deep, deep down, I think we're terrified of what if we are? What if I am inadequate? And I don't know if we even really let this thought into our consciousness, but I think it's that feeling of not enough, like I'm not enough. It's that fear of what if I'm inadequate? And that is why it can be, this work can be so difficult or uncomfortable uh, for us to choose to do because we have to really look at ourself rather than blaming others. You know, we want to blame our children for their behavior. We want to blame our partners or our boss or whoever it is rather than looking at what am I bringing this to? What am I bringing to this relationship? What is my role here? Because we're terrified. And I'll just speak for myself. Uh, When my children were growing up and they were uh, displaying behavior that, you know, is a parent's worst nightmare, uh, I wasn't ready to look at myself. Um, I got just really angry and couldn't understand these behaviors and why they were being done to me. You know, we take it so personal that I thought these behaviors were being done to me. It took a lot for me to, you know, I think oftentimes we have these falling down moments or these, you know, we talk about rock bottom moments where something finally gets our attention. It has to oftentimes be those bringing me down to my knees moments before we're willing to look at ourselves and say, okay, I'm listening. I need to change something or something needs to change. And the only person you have control of changing is yourself, right? We can't create change by telling others they need to do things differently. We have to be the ones to do things differently if we want to create change in our life. So how do we do that? How do we create the inner calm that is the first step in emotional safety. And first we need to become aware of what role am I playing in my relationships? What role am I playing? Am I playing the victim? Oh, poor me. I can't take my children to the store because they have a timber tantrum or they run away. Um, oftentimes we become a victim in our life. And we are powerless. We're powerless to whatever is causing chaos or upset in our life. And 
so when we become a victim, we, well, and when we, so if we're blaming others for how our life is or how we feel or whatever, when you blame, you are a victim to whatever or whoever you are blaming. So that is a good way to become aware of if you're playing the victim in your life or in uh, certain relationships. Victimhood is not safe. It does not feel safe. Another role we often play is rescuer. We want to rescue others. We want to rescue our children from pain or feelings of discomfort. And so we rescue them or we rescue other people. We we take on the responsibility to fix things for them. Um, and that is a distraction so we don't have to look at ourselves and deal with our own feelings and, and discomfort. Um, and the other role that we may also play is the persecutor. And again, so this is finding fault, blaming and finding fault with others, but telling them how bad they are and how at fault they are and how they are, you know, causing uh, chaos in your life or how wrong they are about something. And you may find that you play these different roles in different relationships or in different situations, but usually there is, um, we can usually identify one that might be more prominent than the others. And then we want to shift that to becoming the creator of our life. And rather than being a victim or a rescuer or a persecutor, we want to create what feels in alignment in our life. We want to, how can I? How can I create inner calm in my life? How can I create a consistent bedtime routine? How can I create more connected relationships in my life? And maybe you're co-creating. You're co-creating with with others. How can we make this happen? How can we, what kind of a plan can we create together? And it might even be co-creating with the fear and anxiety you feel inside the discomfort. We have a really low tolerance in our culture for discomfort because we have so many things to distract us from our discomfort. Uh, food and, and shopping and, uh, and screens, screens everywhere, right? All we have to do is hand our children a screen or pick up a screen ourselves, and all is well. So co-creating with your anxiety or your discomfort uh, and it might feel uncomfortable, but pushing through that, moving through that, um, in order to create a better life or the life you want to live. And I say this because change is uncomfortable. Whenever we are creating change in our life, our brain says, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I do not see the pattern here, and therefore, this is dangerous. And so 
you know, we have to co-create with that. And at times we have to be able to push through that uh, because we're actually rewiring our brain. And it takes awareness and it takes strategies and it takes tools to be able to do that. We can't just say, okay, well, I guess I'm going to um, go from victim to creator. And it is, uh, that's part of it. Uh, But then we do need tools and strategies and practice and support. Um, And so that is what I work with my clients on uh, to help them through that resistance to help them through the self-sabotage. But just the awareness, just the awareness is helpful. And there are tools and strategies you can use to heighten your awareness. And one of those things is journaling. Uh, Just putting your thoughts on paper. And one of the things that were most helpful for me when I first started journaling um, and kind of getting out of that you know, habit of what I thought of journaling is really what, what I thought about it was more like a diary, you know, writing down what the things I did that day. And that's not the journaling I'm talking about. It's really talking about moving the thoughts and beliefs that are deep rooted in our subconscious up to the conscious. And journaling is helpful in that. And it, it, it raises awareness. And so one of the things that really helped me was just to set a timer for, you know, start out, out with even a few minutes, you know, and go to five minutes, and then 10 minutes, you know, up to 20 minutes and just free write, just write. Um, you don't have to think about it. Don't lift the pencil off the paper, the pen off the paper. Um, or maybe you're doing it electronically. I always, I always encourage others to use pen and paper because I think there's magic in putting pen to paper and just free writing. But you could do it electronically as well. But just keep going, even if you are writing silly, you know, things that don't even make sense to you. Just keep writing, and it's really surprising what comes out. Um, as you do that. So that's one way to raise your awareness. And the other way is just sitting with yourself, whether you want to call that meditation or um, mindfulness or just spending time with yourself, even on a walk without distraction, you know, without a podcast, without, <laughs> not to, not just, not discouraging you from listening to podcasts, certainly, <laughs> but, um, you know, without any distractions, just having that time to be with your own thoughts and feelings and just being. So the other step in, or another step in creating emotional awareness is breathing, Breathing is super important in calming the nervous system. And generally, we are shallow breathers. We tend to breathe from our chest. And when we're in fear, we actually stop breathing for a few seconds. You know, so like if you think about being alone at home at night and you hear noise and all of a sudden you kind of freeze, you stop to listen to figure out if if something is um, threatening or not. And so we actually stop breathing, cutting off the oxygen to the brain. And our, our brain is sending 
our body is signaled to get ready for flight or fight. And so, like I said, in general, we tend to be shallow breathers. Um, And shallow breathing limits the oxygen to the brain, uh, making it impossible to access the higher brain skills. And the higher brain skills is where all our problem solving and reasoning take place. So have you ever tried to reason with a child throwing a fit or with a child or teenager talking back or you know expressing themselves strongly verbally um you know they are in their low to midbrain skill states at this point and and they're not you can't reason with them to solve any problem and have any sense of reasoning we must be in the highest part of our brain located in the uh, prefrontal cortex. The skills that we have here are called the executive functioning skills, and we must breathe and get oxygen to the brain and soothe the survival part of the brain. So think of it as an elevator. The survival part, the survival part of our brain is in the basement, the farthest point from a solution. It's in our brainstem. So breathing moves the elevator to the next floor. Deep belly breaths unhook the stress response in the brain, allowing the elevator to move to the next level, which is the limbic system where emotions are processed. And deep breathing slows our system down enough so the emotions, which is energy in motion, is able to bubble up to the surface. And this is where we usually react and stop this process and we become our emotions instead of feeling them. And when we become our emotions, we act them out in hurtful ways. So when we breathe and slow down our system enough to allow the emotion to bubble up into a feeling, we can name it, and feel it. So when we stop this process and become our emotion, we lose ourselves, and we become the emotion. So have you ever lost it and later thought, wow, I don't, that wasn't really me. Or, you know, why do I do that? Well, it's because it's, you're not you. You've become the emotion and acting it out. So breathe and allow. These three breaths and uh, research show, research says um, that it takes three breaths um, to unhook the stress response and it creates a pause between the stimulus or the event and your action. So it's the difference between reacting and responding. Reacting is being on autopilot. It's impulsive. It takes no thought or awareness. Reaction comes from the survival part of our brain and has an attacking quality. And it's not helpful and it doesn't feel safe. So response is being mindful in your response. It's the pause allows you to kind of recalibrate and come to your senses, so to speak. So you don't act out the feeling. 
And then that elevator can move to the next level, which is the prefrontal cortex and where we can access our brilliance, solutions, and move forward. Oh, but I forgot one step. Hold on. Rewind. Let's go back a step. To actually get that elevator up to the prefrontal cortex, we need to override the self-talk going on in our head, the trigger thoughts that are triggering these emotions, we need to override them. And so you can say a mantra in your head, um, and you can choose any mantra that is helpful to you, but I like to use the one that I learned through Dr. Bailey, and that is, I am safe, keep breathing, I can handle this. And this mantra um, has a, what do I want to say, a reason behind it. Um, She chose these words because I am safe sends a signal to the brain saying this is not about survival. So turn off the stress response um, and all will be well. Keep breathing sends the signal to take another breath. Again, signaling to turn off the stress response in the brain. And I can handle this affirms that indeed I can handle this upset. I can handle my feelings. And then with that, I know that others can handle theirs too. So as we practice and master these skills over time, we can provide emotional safety for ourselves, our children, and generations to come. And we can heal our relationships and and be in relationships that help us to feel empowered within those relationships rather than them draining us. And so we can do this by healing our own inner child wounds, and we all have them. So we have a choice. We can feel and heal, or we can hand these wounds off to our children to carry for another generation until someone steps up and takes on the assignment to create the change that you want to see in your life. And when you choose to take on that assignment and do this work, you become the leader, the leader of your life, the leader in your home, and you give your children and the next generations a gift, a gift of unconditional love. So if you are ready to step into creating change in your life, creating emotional safety, and ultimately emotional freedom in your life, head on over to my website at diannesorensen.net, get on my calendar, and let's have a a conversation. Let's connect. All right. Talk to you soon. Hey everyone, welcome back. I have one announcement I wanted to let you know about before we get started with today's episode, and that is I am offering the Empowered Discipline training again in July um, 
I had I offered this last month and I am uh, making some changes to it. So if you were at the last one, you will get something different out of this one. And if you were not the last one, you can sign up for this one and you will not have missed anything. So it is July 15th and it's empowered discipline. And what I mean by that is it it's creating empowerment through a conscious approach to discipline, uh, disciplining ourselves and our children, helping us to feel confident and in control of our life. So I will provide you with the link to this. Um, hopefully, hopefully I'll have the link uh, will be done in time to put it in the show notes for this episode. But if not, I will keep you posted at where to go to sign up. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Thank you for tuning into the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'm so very grateful for all of you who are showing up here with me because I believe subtle shifts create big impact. How we show up in our life, in our relationships, or our parenting impact our life, our children's lives, and the world. If you're ready to brave the wilderness of your beautiful soul, live life from the inside out, and create the life you want to live, head over to my website at diansorensen.net and get on my calendar to see if the Beauty and Behavior family is the right fit for you. I got you, and we'll talk again soon.